This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. And hello world, and welcome to the Champions Coffee Podcast, where every week we have coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines, championing students to be all that they can be. This is episode 26, and I'm your host, Ben Hallett. I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Vigo, and for those of you who don't know, Vigo is a learner support platform that helps educators connect their students to all of their support services internally, mentors, tutors, advisors, counselors, all these different champions. And at Vigo, we really believe in celebrating the professionals who make all of these services and these student experiences tick, which is why that we do this podcast. So today, I'm very excited to be joined by uh, Chris Ryan, Pro Vice Chancellor Academic at Monash University. Now, Bit of a bio here. Chris was appointed Pro Vice Chancellor in 2019, and he leads a portfolio that includes student experience, diversity and inclusion, uh, uh, education innovation, education policy. Uh, So previously, Chris was the Academic Director of Monash Education Innovation Unit, where he led a multidisciplinary team to establish and implement the university-wide education tech roadmap and contributed to the design of innovative learning and teaching spaces across uh, Monash. Chris, in his roles, he frequently is leading a university-wide transformation in course design, ed tech strategy, learning space development, pedagogical renewal, uh, and learning analytics. And also, fun fact I learned about Chris, uh, just going through his LinkedIn, is that he is an active researcher in fluid dynamics, uh, which is a subject that's also close to my heart, as I am a a trained flood modeler. But without further ado, (laughs) Chris, welcome, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks for so much for having me here. I really appreciate this, Ben. It's great to see you. Yeah, mate. So, how active are you in the um, still in the fluid uh, modeling space? Oh well, okay. Uh, so, actually, just recently, I had uh, my uh, PhD student complete uh, his study on micro helicopter flights in tunnels, um, yeah. and that's a that was to look at semi semi autonomous flight. Uh, in that environment, the idea being that when you get near to a wall, the fluid dynamics around the helicopter blades mm. changes, uh, and so it, it's really actually a really difficult problem, but really useful for us to be able to uh, to monitor uh, remotely uh, places or, uh, underground and uh, in in uh, disaster zones, etc. Wow, mate! Uh, have you been able to um, draw any? Um like, I guess, uh, analogies or similarities between that space of your brain and the student experience space of your brain? (laughs) Uh, I think, uh, yeah, in a sense. I mean, I want students to be passionate about their studies and to Mm. really understand that they can make a difference in the world. One of the best pieces of advice that I got when I was a PhD Mm -hmm. student and, uh, you know, a pretty nervous kind of guy when I was a PhD student, one of my mentors, uh, Professor John Sheridan, took us uh, into the United States uh, and it was for a, for a conference there. And he said to me, Chris, the one thing I want you to get out of this, all of this money, the time, everything, is you're just as good as anyone in the world. Mm. Uh, and I want you to see people's labs. I want you to see people's students, talk to them about your research and understand that fact. And if you can get mm. that, you can do anything. And And... 
if you sort of stretch that out to any of the disciplines that we teach uh, for our students, that's that's a pretty good message for our students. To you know, we want you to graduate and change the world. Wow, what a strong start to the uh, the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I um, I'm, I literally just got some shivers in my body. It was very similar to something that my mentor said um, when I was uh, in high school, and yeah, changed my life. He said. Don't look down to anybody. Uh, so don't look up to anybody. You know, look them in the eye. You, you're worthy of it, um, mate. Well, I'm going to jump into the typical questions now. So, yeah, um, sure. I want to know what life experiences motivated you to enter into the education space, or you know, what's what's keeping you motivated to stay. Well, I mean, I can answer both of those. This, uh, I started wondering what my impact could be on the world around me and on the people that I got to meet. Um, and I love teaching. I really love – it's that moment when you see a spark in a student's eyes, not just that they get the theory, but that they are then perhaps challenged by the community around them. So they say, but hang on, if this is right, why is it that people are making the decisions that they are in the world around me? Mm. And that to me means that that particular student's got a voice mm. and a voice that is based on evidence. So I love teaching when I, I started. That's what got me got me into it. I was doing uh, a lot of teaching during my PhD, which I mentioned just a second ago. I was teaching it to six subjects simultaneously um, mm. in, in a, a diversity of different areas around engineering. As I progressed through I, I realized that my personal love of teaching was perhaps not the, the chief motivator for all of my colleagues. And so then it was about how do I help them really see the mm. students as, you know, being able to enjoy working with the students. So that mm. then led to the innovation side, helping academics see the world through, through my eyes in terms of learning and teaching. Mm. And then progressively looking at... Uh, looking at our students and seeing that they're from all walks of life, they've got you know, challenges. I, I sometimes refer to them as um, uh, was it recent adult challenges. You know, your family network has kept you going mm. all the way through high school and then suddenly you're at university, okay, you'll be okay now. And that is often a time of instability for our students. So that's mm. then led to what what is the transition like from – secondary school typically, to university, mm. and how can we best help that? And then again, mm. what's that transition like from university uh, out into the wider world? Mm. Well, I think you've kind of covered off there my, my next question, which is going to be a bit more about how, uh, you know, how do you think about student experience and success at Monash University? But I think you've covered that pretty well um, right there, mate. I, uh, I, I mean... The one thing I'll say, though, to any student, you know, if a student comes to me and says, look, I'm thinking of going to university, doesn't matter what university, right? The one thing I would say to a student is this. Make sure that when you leave university, you look back and you ask yourself, have I actually done something that I didn't think I'd be able to do? Because mm. every graduate I talk to has that story. Mm. And the other beautiful thing about that is that it's always unique. Mm. So we have to work as a university, as a, as a sector, to make sure that we give our students every single opportunity 
to have that. Sometimes it's overt, putting together great programs that our students are, you know, it might be co-curricular programs, etc. Other times, it's just understanding that each of our story, each of our students' stories are unique. Mm. And that's a, and that means that we have to support them when there's some challenges in their lives. The other thing for our graduates is making sure that as they graduate, they're a humble but equal voice in our community. Mm. Mm. And that, that excites me. Mm. It really does. Wow. Awesome, mate. And I mean, I'd love to dive into, you know, with this work that you, that you now undertake, uh, helping, helping the rest of the community see the, see the, uh, see the opportunity in students that you see. Um, is there a particular student success story that when, you know, you think that comes to mind when you think back about, well, where's, when's the time that we nailed it? You know, that time with that student, that was a story that we're proud of uh, that we, we, we helped create. You know, there's, there's one student who, um, and it does come down to the individual because there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of individual stories that yeah. I could talk about perhaps for too long. <laughs> so I'll go with one individual story and then I'll go with a group story. How's that? Okay. So with the individual story, uh, I used to teach uh, third-year computing and engineering. And, you know, as I said to my students, 10% of you will say, great, this is a life-changing moment. I, this is my career. I'm going to do this. And the other 90% of you are going to have to learn how to talk to the 10%. <laughs> um, and that was the purpose of that, of that subject, that teaching. Um, and we would, you know, we would teach quite complicated mathematical solutions in, in computers. Hmm. And one of my students failed his first attempt, mm. and he was desperately unhappy. Uh, and brilliant, brilliant student. And we spoke about it. We spoke, you know, he was wanting to see if we could just get just a few more marks somewhere. And I convinced him to. Uh, I convinced him to. No, let's try again. Let's do this one again. And the second time round, he got a credit, mm. and uh, I think it was like sixty-six or something like that. And he came and saw me. And the thing that stuck with me was this student who said, you know what, I'm one of the 90%. I need to talk to the 10%. Mm. But I'm glad I did it again because mm. I learned a lot from it. So I took that as a success for that, one, mm. for that one student. If I look at the bigger picture, and, of course, you average things out far too much when you look at the bigger picture. But if I look at the bigger picture, look, some of the things that we've been able to do in the design of learning spaces or uh, our assessment platforms, our, our delivery platforms, we've been able to evaluate once we control for individual circ student circumstances, once we control for individual nuances of academics, we can see a, a big variation, a big increase in the student's academic success, which we can't in any way ascribe to anything except that our academics are using these new platforms to better, uh, to better support their students' learning. Mm. Um, and equally, uh, you know, we've just been working on our, um, our orientation week uh, for this year. And a big change for us, you know, coming back after two years of lockdown, very little time on campus for so many students, we, we sat down with our students of all walks of life and said, okay, we need to have a purposeful orientation week. What do we want to do? Mm -hmm. And we had some of the best presenters here. Um, you know, uh, 
some of the, we had Grace team, we had Eddie Betts. Um, wow. uh, you know, there is two. We had like about thirty. So I've, I've named two names there at thirty. Um, wow. But then everything was purposeful. It was about hey, be what you can be. Here's what to take out of a university education. Here's what you can do. And the student feedback's been phenomenal. So that's been a recent yeah, right. success. That's quite that's quite significant for me. Yeah, awesome. I'm oh, glad to hear it. I, I am conscious of time here, um, so <laughs> I'm going to um, I'm going to jump into probably one of my favorite questions. Uh, what's a common misconception that you hear within the student experience space that you adamantly disagree with? Um, I think the the one that the one that worries me the most, I won't say, you know, adamantly disagree with the one that I'm constantly working against is for all of us to average things out just too much. Mm. And so the phrase, our students think, yeah. worries me. <laughs> yeah, true. And that's what I hear all the time, right? Yeah. And, and and a lot of my work at the minute is around, uh, is to evaluate and to demonstrate the the value the impact of our education, curriculum, co-curriculum, student experience, all of that. And uh, people are asking me to average out the results all the time and just give us one number. Are we successful? Are we not? Mm. And consistently the story is, look, we have to be nuanced and we have to we have to focus on our students as individuals. That is really interesting. That's the first time I've heard this on the um, about on this podcast, but it does resonate. Uh, you know, often in our work, you know, we we can produce a whole report of you know what's happened and you know at the institution when they've implemented the platform. Um, but sometimes we hit the senior executive team who are extremely time poor. We have to give them that, and they just want the one number. What's the one engagement yeah. number? And it's like, well, what does engagement mean? Um, you know, Facebook's engaging doesn't mean it's quality. <laughs> Like, yeah, um, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, All right. Absolutely. And I know we only got three minutes, so I want to make sure I ask you, you know, who is someone that inspires you in the education space and why? You spoke about a former teacher you had before, but, you know, uh, who is someone currently that inspires you? Well, I guess I could go back historically uh, and, you know, I've got my engineering roots, so give me a second here and, and, and apologies for this, but people who I saw who inspired me as a child. I think you only get one childhood and uh, occasionally you see just rare glimpses of, my goodness, that's engaging. So uh, if you're into physics teaching from way back when, uh, Walter Lewin, Richard Feynman, uh, they were brilliant, brilliant educators. Mm. But more recently and and globally, um, I've been following the work of, now I'm going to mispronounce her name, so I'm really sorry about this, but it's Salima Begum who's in Mm -hmm. Pakistan. And she's been teaching at uh, an elementary college for women in Gilgit. And she's, but she's not just teaching students. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's teach, is taught, uh, I think it's over 7,000 teachers in her province and 8,000 more throughout Pakistan. Mm. Um, and, you know, she's got a, a phrase, which is, you know, learning is, is 24 hours. It's not six hours. And I'm really inspired by her work and her leadership um, in mm. in not just transforming the students that she gets to meet, but again, getting academics, mm. getting teachers across that whole country to see the world through her eyes. That is very interesting. That's a powerful statement. Learning is 24 hours, not not six hours, because that it straight away says that 
education, we are delivering an experience, not a lecture, you know, not a, not a, not a class. Uh, and what is the full experience? It makes you think about everything uh, yeah. that the student is going through during that period. I, um, I love that. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Mate. I, I, will, I will say, though, can I just add, I, I, I'm so inspired by our individual academics. Uh, and I know that this is true at every single institution around the world. I know educators that have been teaching off their uh, their ironing boards from camp tables. Uh, I know um, I've had my kids running around uh, when I was uh, in lots of meetings, etc., at home, and and I made sure that that was something that I normalised because I know that so many thousands and thousands of academics let students into their homes and mm. i think that that has been a more profound connection than everything anything that we've ever seen before you, you get that profound connection perhaps when you do a research study with an academic but mm. often you don't when it's a, a coursework based piece mm. and i think it's been forced on us all um and our educators across australia across the world should be commended for their work there mm. because it's it's a a brave thing to do mm. i agree i agree well uh chris i'm very conscious of your time i know you have a hard stop but um i think we're gonna to need to have you back because we didn't even get into the future of where we're going in the, in the student experience space and i and i know you got some thoughts there so Absolutely. we're gonna to have to have you back um but so for everybody listening, uh, this has uh, been episode 26 of the Champions Coffee podcast. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, for anyone who is interested in, in further episodes, uh, you can head to either the Vigo LinkedIn page, we'll post them all there, or you can subscribe on any of the uh, major uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. Just go there, hit subscribe, and you'll see them all. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And final time, thank you, Chris. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much. Cheers.